It's Monday, the 16th of January. Welcome to Davos 2023. It will happen against the most complicated backdrop in decades, geopolitically and geoeconomically. The World Economic Forum's annual meeting is taking place from now to the 20th of January. It comes as multiple crises deepen divisions and fragment the geopolitical landscape. We'll hear from the president of the World Economic Forum on some of his priorities for this week. What we need to avoid is that the world goes into a new recession. Burger Brenda tells us about the challenges ahead. And we have to avoid that we're moving into the 1970s again with low growth, high inflation, high debt, and after some time, high unemployment. Davos 2023 will aim to bring people together at a time of global fragmentation. It's less likely that we can solve the global challenges if it ends with confrontations and wars. On this episode, artificial intelligence that can prevent wildfires, we dip into the metaverse and hear music from an instrument with a 1,000-year history. The word loot actually comes from oud, oud loot. I'm Robin Pomeroy, podcast editor at the World Economic Forum, and with this first daily show from the annual meeting 2023, this is Radio Davos. Welcome to Radio Davos and welcome to Davos. It's Monday, day one. And this is the first of five daily shows. Every day from Davos, I'll be bringing you Radio Davos Daily. And every day, I'll have a different co-host. We have a great lineup of co-hosts. All of them are podcasters, and I'm delighted to introduce the first one of the week. It's my favorite podcaster of all, Linda Lucina. Linda, how are you? Hi, Robin. How are you? Very well, thank you. And I'm sure all our listeners are familiar with Linda Lucina because she presents Radio Davos's sister podcast, Meet the Leader. Give us a quick flavor of what Meet the Leader is, Linda. Meet the Leader is top leaders in nonprofits, in business, in government, sharing how they personally are tackling some of the world's biggest challenges. And you, you do long-form interviews with them. They're really engaging. People should go and check them out. Now, you and I were both sat in this room, well, what, half a year ago in May, which was the first in-person Davos since the coronavirus. And you did dozens and dozens of interviews. And you've been putting them out as Meet the Leaders in the weeks and months since that. I mean, can you give us a flavor? Just tell people which should they go and check out? They're all available online. Absolutely. We talked to uh, Ray Dalio, the founder of Bridgewater. He talked about uh, ways, uh, triggers in history that can tell you where the next crisis is coming from. Very apropos for our meeting today. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we talked to nonprofit founder Linda Matlati, who runs a nonprofit Africa Team Geeks, which shows how entrepreneurship can transform Africa. Um, and also, uh, we learned from the people who had really unique jobs, like Tencent's chief exploration officer and Volvo Group's uh, chief purchasing officer how these really unique jobs give people a really, really, in, really unique insight into different technologies and how business is transforming. I mean, I love Meet the Leader, Linda. You, <laughs> you won't be surprised to hear, and I really, really urge our listeners to go and check them out. I mean, we are in a very privileged position to have access to some of these people, and it can be very, very interesting. What I love about Meet the Leader is you ask them kind of slightly off-the-wall questions sometimes about their, their influences and their favorite books and their favorite habits. So anyway, that's Meet the Leader. You can find it on wef.ch slash podcast, where all our podcasts are. Now, Linda, what is the theme? This is my test to you. What is the theme of Davos 2023? It is cooperation in a fragmented world. Cooperation in a fragmented world. Well, let's hear the person, one of the people best placed to tell us what to expect this week is the president of the World Economic Forum, 
Borga Brenda, our colleague Beatrice DiCaro, caught up with him a few days ago. Here's what he had to say. Borga, thank you for joining today. What can we expect from the annual meeting 2023? It will uh, happen against the most uh, complicated backdrop in decades, geopolitically and geoeconomically. And we have all the right people in Davos to really try to find solutions in the fragmented world. We have 1,700 of the leading business people. We have almost 400 public figures, ministers, head of states, and also civil society. And uh, what we need to avoid is that the world goes into a new recession. We need to recreate uh, global growth. It has to be inclusive, it has to create jobs, but without growth, there will be no prosperity. And uh, we also know that uh, we have to stop the fragmentation that we are currently seeing of the global economy. We have to continue to trade with each other, to invest uh, with each other. That's the only way to also make sure that uh, we will uh, revive economic growth. And you mentioned the theme, cooperation in a fragmented world. What does that mean to you? For me, uh, it is so important that uh, we continue to have a dialogue with each other, that uh, we also try to find solutions to global challenges. Global challenges need global solutions, be it economic growth, be it trade, but also on biodiversity, but also on climate. We really are in the same boat and we have to act accordingly. Lately, we have seen uh, wars, we have seen conflicts, and all this is also leading to a situation where there is less likely that we can solve the global challenges uh, if it ends with confrontations and wars. What we need is to use this opportunity to come together and find areas where we can cooperate even in a world with competition. And what are you most looking forward to in terms of sessions, speakers, themes? What excites you the most about our program? So there is so much happening uh, in Davos. There are more than 400 official sessions and then there are so many other sessions. One thing that uh, for me uh, is very meaningful is when business and garments can come together and move some very important topics. I'm looking forward, for example, to the meeting again with the First Movers Coalition. This is a coalition now with more than 60 companies that together with governments have decided that they will use their purchasing power to green their supply chain. That means that the Amazons, the Apples of the world will say that we will only buy, for example, aluminum from those that deliver aluminum. 20% of it has to be green. Or they say that we will only buy fertilizers that is also produced uh, by green energy, or they will use the same purchasing power when it comes to, for example, air travel, or how you transport um, goods on the sea. So this is, uh, for me, really at the core of what the forum is so critical uh, doing is public-private cooperation in making sure that uh, this can benefit the whole world. In May, Asia was underrepresented in Davos. 
What can we expect this time from Asia and from any other regions you'd like to mention? So Asia is going to be very well represented in uh, Davos uh, this uh, year. We have all the key Japanese companies uh, coming. We have the Korean president with a huge business delegation from Korea. We also will welcome a high-level delegation from China. Uh, a lot of Chinese businesses are coming. We also have uh, key leaders from the Philippines, Vietnam, Singapore, Malaysia, and Indonesia. Many people say that this is Asia-centric. Uh, what I would say is that at least uh, this is going to be a huge Asian footprint in Davos uh, this year, including uh, several um, Indian key cabinet ministers and a business delegation from India that is very, very consequential. On a related but separate note, what are you most optimistic about for 2023? There are a lot of challenges this year. It is a very complicated geopolitical and uh, geoeconomic situation. The world orders, you could see, is between orders. We don't know what is coming. But at the same time, uh, we do see some cooperation again uh, taking place. It was a major breakthrough when the US and China decided at the Bali G20 meeting to restart the cooperation on climate change. And I think there is hope that uh, also uh, with the lifting of COVID restrictions now in China, that we will see a more global growth coming at the end of this year and uh, in 2024. But this also is very much depending on the possibility to then again start to trade and invest. So I'm optimistic that Davos can play a positive role in bringing countries and companies together, realizing that we only can achieve things if we collaborate and stick together. You mentioned the recession. How can countries be best prepared for that? How can countries grow this year? So we are expecting, unfortunately, that some countries will go into recession. What we hope is that the big economies will now uh, pull things together and uh, will not go into recessions, and by that also carry the global economy forward. Because without growth, we will also see less prosperity, less jobs, and we have to avoid that we're moving into the 1970s again with low growth, high inflation, and also high debts, and after some time, high unemployment. Looking forward in 2023 with COP28, what should countries and the world do to prepare for COP28? Are there any actions they should be prioritizing? The COP28 is crucial. It is very important that we are prepared for the climate change that is coming by also adapting to it, adaptation. It's also very important that we know are able to finance all the pledges made uh, in Glasgow and also in Sharm Sheikh to make sure that the developing countries and emerging economies are ready to invest in adaptation but also in the necessary mitigation because we have to reduce the amount of CO2 gases being uh, emitted. So the COP28 in um, the UAE, Abu Dhabi, will be critical on the financing side, but also on putting the new technologies to work um, for the environment. We will, in the coming five 
years, probably see a tripling of the amount of solar available. And solar will be more important than coal is today, and it's in many cases more affordable. So the COP in the UAE, where we're also signing an MOU in um, Davos when it comes to collaboration between the World Economic Forum and the UAE government on the COP, will uh, be very important this COP to also unleash all the new technologies working for then leapfrogging breakthroughs that can uh, also be very important when it comes to also CO2 uh, mitigation. Just let's face it, 10 years ago, solar was 10 times as expensive as today. 10 years ago, wind was seven times more expensive than today. So by investing in these new technologies, we have seen major breakthroughs and the renewables are now in many ways even competitive when it comes to pricing. These breakthroughs have to continue if you're going to meet uh, the net zero target by 2050. What are three things that you'd say leaders need to do or integrate for 2023? How can leaders prepare for what's to come? Leaders have to secure more cooperation globally and also domestically. Leaders have to take real leadership when it comes to uh, inclusion and climate change. And leaders also have to come together and continue to trade and invest in other countries, but also domestically. Uh, that's the only way to make sure that we revive growth in the years to come. If I could add another question, if there's a story that you've read even in the last week or two that makes you hopeful for the year, if there's an idea or a story or a project that you saw even on a personal level that makes you hopeful? The challenge uh, is now the geopolitical conflicts that we're seeing and we're seeing a lot of people suffering. What I've seen is unfolding situation in Iran where women's rights are under huge pressure. It's also important that we will have voices in Davos that uh, will tell us about uh, this situation and uh, hopefully we can see improvements in the year to come. We also know uh, in the last weeks that the Taliban have decided that women cannot attend universities uh, in Afghanistan. I hope that in Davos we can have a special focus on girls' and women's rights in general, but also that every girl and every woman has the right to go to school and, and universities. We should not forget that many people uh, are under and living under very dire situations in the world. And I think it's important that in Davos we send messages of solidarity to the women in Iran, in Afghanistan, and other places in the world that see that their basic rights are under threat. Borgo Brenda, the president of the World Economic Forum, was talking to Beatrice DiCaro, setting out the week ahead of us. We're only in day one. In fact, today's agenda is relatively calm. It goes crazy from Tuesday onwards. There are hundreds of sessions, really interesting. You can follow them all online. Linda, I mean, out of the smorgasbord that is AM23, is there anything you'd pick out? Me personally, I am really looking forward to a session that the uh, Climate and Nature Center is putting together on uh, the polar, the poles. Um, there's one on uh, unpacking the polar crisis and it's 
so interesting how people, indigenous people, especially who live at the poles, have gotten a firsthand look at what adaptation is really going to do to the planet and giving us a, a, a reality check on what we need to be preparing for uh, when it comes to mitigation and adaptation. Yes, and that reminds me, Linda, that we'll be putting out the full audio of many of these sessions on our sister podcast called Agenda Dialogues. Some of them we'll be putting out very quickly this week, others in the weeks following uh, Davos, because you can watch all the sessions live and on catch up. But also if you'd rather just listen to them as a podcast, you go to Agenda Dialogues, and I'm sure that session will become an Agenda Dialogue. Thanks, Linda, for joining me on Radio Davos. Every day on this podcast, I'll be talking to colleagues at the World Economic Forum about issues, sessions and projects dear to their hearts. And the first of these today is the head of artificial intelligence at the forum, Kay Firth Butterfield. Kay, how are you? I'm great, thank you. And thank you for having me on. Well, it's, it's so lovely to see you again. Of course, you and I recorded one of our most popular episodes of Radio Davos, must be a year ago now. Uh, with Professor Stuart Russell on artificial intelligence. So I'm always delighted to speak to you because you always have something fascinating to say. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do look for that, listeners, if you've not already heard that one. Uh, I think I think I called it Rise, Rise of the Machines or something, which was a terrible title. I'm sorry, I apologise. Um, but Kay, today you're launching a report on something very interesting to do with artificial intelligence. What's that report? What we've been doing over the last year is creating an algorithm that can predict with an 80% precision recall when a wildfire will start. And so at the moment, all the uh, work out there with, with regard to wildfires is pinpointing a wildfire after it started. But this tool is actually allowing us to predict within a 24-hour window before the wildfire starts where it will start. That means we can get um, fire services or we can just um, get services there to actually stop the fire starting at all because we know that fires are caused by brush and by various um, things in the forest and we can, fight, we can work out all of those things. And so we might be able to just clear brush, stop wildfire or at least have the relevant services there before the wildfire starts. It's an incredible development. It sounds almost science fiction. It's kind of minority report, you know, let's stop a crime before it's committed kind of thing. But can you give us, it's probably extremely complex, but in, in a nutshell, can you say how it works? Yes, so what the algorithm does is take in about 438 different pieces of data um, from various geographical sources. So satellite data, ground data from forests, um, weather and conditions must data. be so Yes, all of those yeah. things. And so, um, it, and then it, it runs the algorithm over that mm -hmm. and, and produces the prediction. And we piloted it in Turkey uh, this year uh, sorry, last year, 2022, and, um, and that's how we know the, the accuracy of it. You might say, well, why, what's the other percentage? What's missing here? And um, the next stage of this is going to be, how do we model humans who set fires? So we as humans accidentally, and in some cases, for example, in California, deliberately set fires. 
And so we, that's the next stage. So at the moment, it's that geographical climate data. And the next stage is the human data. We know that wildfires are becoming a bigger problem in many, many parts of the world, largely due to climate change and global warming. So people listening to this thinking, we had a wildfire near my home, wherever that might be in the world, will think, great, when, can we, when will we see this technology rolled out near me? What would you say to them? Yes, certainly. So you're absolutely right. Uh, at the moment, wildfires are a huge plague to the planet. Uh, they emit one, or in 2021, they emitted 1.76 billion tons of carbon. And of course, you know, there's the huge damage to the environment, to to property, and and sadly, loss of life. And 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 so uh, what we hope is that uh, because the algorithm at the moment is set for the Mediterranean um, area, we, we will see it in the Mediterranean this summer. And we're already working with other geographers like uh, Brazil, uh, South Africa, California, Australia to see whether, when and whether we can bring it to those, those areas as well. So to read this report, what, uh, give us the name of it and people can find it on our website, presumably. People can find it on our website. Yeah. And the project is called very easily Fire Aid um, with the AI in capital letters. Oh, I love it. <laughs> love that. Okay. Kay, always a pleasure to see you. I'm sure during 2023, we'll meet again and do more podcasts together. But for now, Kay Firth Butterfield, Head of Artificial Intelligence at the World Economic Forum, thanks for joining us on Radio Davos. Thank you so much, Robin. The metaverse is on everyone's lips, and later this week, I'll take you for a sneak peek at the World Economic Forum's own Global Collaboration Village. That's a meeting place in the metaverse. Many people in Davos will be getting their own tour of this virtual world this week. I've already been on the tour, and listeners to Radio Davos will get their own glimpse. But talking of the metaverse more widely, later today, the World Economic Forum is releasing two special reports about the metaverse. To talk to me about that, joining me here now is Kathy Lee. She's head of Shaping the Future of Media, Entertainment and Sport at the World Economic Forum. Kathy, how are you? Hi, Robin. How are you? Great, thank you. We spoke a few weeks ago about everything to do with the metaverse. You run this initiative at the forum called Defining and Building the Metaverse. And as, as a result of that, there are two reports coming out today that people should be very interested in. And the first one is called Demystifying the Consumer Metaverse. What will be in that one? Demystifying the Consumer Metaverse is a insight report that will look at all of the core components, um, the foundational technologies, roads and paths to the economic value and growth in the consumer metaverse. And the second is a metaverse governance report focusing on interoperability. What are some of the pitfalls we need to be looking out for and what are some of the benefits um, of the, the interoperability that we should look out for? Yeah, when we spoke um, a few weeks ago, you kind of had this metaphor about what we mean by interoperability. Absolutely. So the definition of the interoperability, it is funded on the ability to uh, for users to participate across um, environments and technologies for data to circulate freely and securely 
for systems to exchange information uh, seamlessly. So a very straightforward and, and easy to understand example is uh, email that we're using today. The fact that I can send an email to you from my Gmail account and you can receive it um, on your Yahoo account is a perfect illustration of how you know a protocols and standards uh, could be put in place and enable this type of uh, interactions. That's a report coming out today about governance when it comes to interoperability. And I know you'll be working, you know, during this year on other parts of governance, getting in at the start of kind of a nascent technology and bringing the stakeholders together. There's plenty of discussions about the metaverse here at Davos. So let's invite our listeners to follow those on the website, weforum.org. Kathy Lee, thanks for joining us on Radio Davos. Thank you, Robin. On Monday, people are just arriving in Davos. Things will really get going tomorrow. And the focal point of today inside the Congress Center here will be the Crystal Awards and the opening concert. To explain what the Crystal Awards is, I'm going to read to you from the website. It's in its 29th year. The Crystal Awards honor exceptional artists and cultural leaders whose important contributions to society have made a tangible impact on improving the state of the world and who best represent the attitude of openness and cooperation that is the spirit of Davos. The actor Idris Elba and his wife Sabrina will receive the award, as will the artist Maya Lin and the singer Renee Fleming. You can watch the ceremony at 6pm Central European time and immediately afterwards there'll be the opening concert which is called I See You. It has the theme of protecting the ocean, particularly the coral reefs in the Northern Red Sea. Later in the week you can hear my interview with one of the performers, Jordanian singer Farah Siraj, and on this episode I was visited here in the Radio Davos booth by renowned Oud player. If you don't know what an Oud is, stay tuned. The renowned Oud player Joseph Toadros and his percussionist brother James. I'm delighted to welcome to Radio Davos Joseph Toadros and his brother James Toadros. Welcome to Radio Davos. Oh, thank you for having us. It's delightful to see you here, mm -hmm. equipped with your instruments. Mm -hmm. um, Joseph, you are a, an oud virtuoso. Mm -hmm. okay. For anyone who's never heard of an, <laughs> anyone's never heard of an oud, what is it? I'm looking at it right now. Uh, well, oud is basically the Arabic guitar. It's a Middle Eastern guitar. It's a very important instrument in the Middle East. Uh, it's the choice of composers and singers. And so it's something that's uh, very historically significant over there and something a part of the culture. Mm. But it's also historically significant in the West because it's the ancestor of the guitar. Mm. So uh, this is a precursor uh, to that. Um, it was brought to Spain in the ninth century, spread around Europe, became the lute and then became the guitar. So it's, it's important in both sides of uh, the world. Well, I, I guess in Spain became famous for the Spanish well, exactly, guitars. It would have been a mood before. Yeah, that, so right? in the ninth century, it came to Spain and uh, through a player called Zeriab, legend has it. Um, and it spread and it became the lute. And the word lute actually comes from oud, oud lute. So the, the etymology, uh, there it is. It's just staring you right in the face, Robert, yeah, all this these in, years. This interview is worth it just for that. <laughs> I'll be telling everyone that this evening. Um, so. You are—you uh, were born in Egypt. You were telling yes. me, but you, um, grew up in Australia. Correct. Yeah. So, tell us about the kind of music you play. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is it—is it traditional? Is it this, this, some of this music must go back a millennium. You know, but what is the kind of music you play? Yeah, I mean, uh, James and I were brought up uh, in a household which loved traditional music, and we listened to the old Arabic singers like Umm Kalthum, one of the great divas um, of the Arab world, and uh, Abdul Wahab, another great singer and composer. 
Um, so we were brought up on the classics of uh, Egyptian music, mostly Egyptian music and Arabic music, and learnt the Arabic scales. Um, but because we were brought up in Australia, our, our ears were a little bit more open to the other sounds that were happening in the country. And um, the stuff that we play now is my original stuff, inspired by uh, you know the music that I've come across. But it is rooted in uh, the Arabic music tradition and the Arabic scales and the modes, which are called makams. Um, so that's where our music stems from, but it's about finding the similarities between the oh. Makam system and the Western uh, system. Because Arabic scales actually have notes yep. in a scale that you wouldn't find in a Western scale. Yeah, I mean, in, in a simplistic way, uh, there are notes which you uh, don't play in classical music. Um, like if we look at a piano, for instance, um, some some of the notes that are played in Middle Eastern music would be b between the white and the black keys. Mm. So they don't appear on uh, certain instruments, even the guitar, because it has frets, those mm. middle things on the fingerboard, they cancel out quarter tones. Whereas uh, the, the oud is an open fingerboard, there isn't uh, any frets, you're able to play quarter tones and scales with quarter tones. Same as the violins and cellos, it's an open fingerboard. And tell us about your performance at the opening concert then. What, what, what does that entail? Uh, we're going to be playing some of my original music, so very excited to uh, be doing that and being being asked to uh, perform with such a great orchestra, the Morphing uh, Chamber Orchestra, who I've performed with before. And of course, my brother James, all the way from Australia. I didn't uh, have to do so much uh, a long trek from London, but yeah. James came all the way from Sydney to take part in the concert. And it's going to be an exciting and hopefully uh, fresh uh, sound for some of the people here that may, may not expect... Uh, this music to, to be here. Yeah, I'm sure. James, you're holding what to me looks like a tambourine. Is that a tambourine? Um, I, I guess simplistically, <laughs> yes, but this is... Everything a, I've said has been yeah, simplistic. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a Middle Eastern instrument called the rek. Uh, the Egyptians call it rek, uh, different names uh, across the Middle East. And essentially it is a tambourine uh, for those playing at home. It's a uh, wooden, circular wooden frame with jingles uh, all around. Um, the edge, and I've got a, a plastic drum head on it, but mm. traditionally it would have been a fish or a goat skin. Uh, a fish skin? Yeah, so when we say fish skin, uh -huh. think of a, a stingray right, skin. Okay. <laughs> um, so technically a fish, but um, um, you know, not like a... <laughs> like a normal fish, yeah, not, not like, like a salmon. A not like a, not salmon. like a salmon or a mackerel. No, no. Not a salmon yeah. or a mackerel fish, yeah. So, you, you know, you're going to be playing to an audience mm -hmm. Of, of Davos, the World Economic Forum, it's, like, yeah. it's not your usual crowd, is it, I yeah, imagine? Yeah. Do you approach it differently? Well, I mean, I mean, musicians tend to have nothing to do with economy or finances, so it's quite a, the irony of it all, no. But I mean, I think art, uh, you know, touches people on so many levels, and I think it's, the, it's really important to actually have it in such a, a forum which doesn't seem, um, you know, to, to really have much of the art. So it's, it's really quite uh, a privilege to be playing mm -hmm. here and hopefully reach some ears, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, that weren't ready for it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of focus here on other things, and mm -hmm. we know that, but it's great that there is an artistic focus this year and a cultural focus. and, um, and a nice, uh, diverse, uh, you know, program for, for the uh, attendees. And could I cheekily ask you to play something for us? Yeah, we can play a, a, a little one. This is a piece of mine called Give or Take. It's a bit of a, a show piece, so, you know, got a little bit of speed happening on this one. So okay, here is Give or Take. Thank you. 
short one for you, Robin. Beautiful. Yeah. Just, just me to... <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure the response will be even better yeah. at, at the concert. Great world, Joseph to address and James to address. Thanks so much for joining well, us on Radio Davos. Thank you. Follow all the action from the World Economic Forum's annual meeting 2023 at wef.ch slash wef23 and across social media using the hashtag wef23 and get all our podcasts at wef.ch slash podcasts and on your podcast app of choice. This episode of Radio Davos was written and presented by me, Robin Pomeroy. Editing was by Taz Kelleher. Studio engineering was by Juan Toron. We'll be back tomorrow, but for now, thanks to you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>